to be reading from Galatians chapter 6, no, chapter 5, uh, 13 through 15. Uh, for you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom in an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Good morning. There's a, I hope all of us get opportunity this weekend, this Memorial Day, to, to remember those who have uh, given the ultimate sacrifice and, and take some time of, of rest and reflection as well. It's a great time for us to be able to do that. I know there's quite a few of our families are up at... Uh, Bible camp right now uh, for the work camp, and I drove in this morning. I got up early and, and came uh, came so I could be here with with all of you this morning. But it, it's amazing just uh, the the amount of people that that we have from the church here that are up there that are helping get the camp ready for the 1,600 or so people that will participate in the camp and and go there for their lives and, and souls to be changed for the future. Tremendous, tremendous opportunity. And so that's a, that's a neat, neat thing that I think is, as a church that we've taken on and, and take very seriously is that, that opportunity to be able to help up there. I want to give an update as well about the elder selection process before we jump into our, our lesson for today. There is, um, we're going to postpone another week uh, for, for these uh, men to continue to pray uh, for, for their names to, to come to the table. Now, there's, I know that there's, there's some who have said, wait a minute here, why is this taking so long? What's going on here? And there, okay, what's, what, this is, this is really good. Um, there's, I know that our timeline, we're a few weeks off of it now, but one of the great spiritual qualities that God has called us to cultivate is patience, isn't it? Okay. And so people that are going to be, or, or considering and have been called by the church and are wrestling with serving as elders, that's a pretty good quality that you want in people, right? Because it, it, the people that, that are, would, would be would be more. Let me say it differently. Um, whenever a great spiritual opportunity comes our direction, or great spiritual responsibility, if our first response is, "Oh yeah, I'll take that on, no problem," maybe we should be. Oh wait a minute here, that's a little bit scary. Okay, why why are you so eager? Have you thought through this? Have you wrestled through this? And these men very simply have said, "This is this is one of the greatest compliments that we've ever been given, and we need to think and pray through this because this is a huge step." Of faith for us too, because maybe we didn't see the, that type of spiritual leadership that the church sees in us, and so we need to take some time to pray and to think through it. Okay, and so that's that's a that's a good thing. That's that's a really good place for us to be as as people, and um, and so we're going to continue to to walk through this together uh, patiently and and pray that that God brings His will out of out of everything for us. All right, uh, we're going to continue. As we've been talking about uh, in the lessons on Sunday morning here the last while, uh, learning to to approach God through spiritual disciplines that bring us freedom. We talked about fasting. We've talked about the Christian meditation. Uh, we talked about forgiving others last week. Uh, oftentimes, if we don't forgive others, we carry our prison around with us wherever we are, and, and we just feel those burdens constantly. Today, I'm going to talk through uh, learning to forgive ourselves. Okay, there was uh, at the men's retreat here last week. Uh, some of us from here went up to participate in that, and one of the things that came out, the speaker, that the, the presenter, he was a guy 
that became a Christian and lived a life of sin for a while after he had been very faithful and, and came back and came back and rededicated his life to God and, and has done a lot to, uh, to bless a whole lot of people and make a difference in the lives of many. And one of the things that he talked about is that it took him so long to, even though he knew that he was forgiven here, but he could not get his heart around it and had all sorts of physical problems and emotional uh, difficulties for a while because of that. And maybe you've, me, have been through situations like that where we have a time where, where we commit some sort of sin that is dishonorable to God. It hurts the people around us. And even though we know we're forgiven here, it takes us a while to get our heart around that, that God could really truly forgive us because we still wrestle with some of these, these emotions and things that are inside of us. So we're going to walk through some of this today. Learning to forgive ourselves. There's two extremes if we talk about the terms of grace and guilt. Grace is unmerited favor, getting much, much better than we deserve. And guilt is the, the feeling, the response that we get when we know that we've done something wrong. Okay? There is, uh, we can, can be, in some circumstances, we can have the extreme that we are, we approach life as a spiritual sociopath. Okay? A sociopath is one who does not feel guilt for anything. It's a, it's a disorder, it's, it's a bad deal, but we can do that spiritually as well. Uh, there was a guy that I remember I had spent quite a bit of time with, invested a lot of time in, with spiritually, and he was a, a guy that seemed to be going a, a great direction, and he had his shortcomings, he had his things in life that he was working on, but I remember meeting with him one day, and I knew something was up, and I sat down across the table with him, and he said, Chris... Here's my situation. Um, my wife and I have been having some difficulties, and I have decided I'm going to leave her. And I have this great sense of, of just freedom that I do not have to put up with her anymore. And, oh, by the way, God has sent me someone else that I'm going to pursue a relationship with this other woman right now. And I'm sitting there thinking, whoa, wait a minute here. No, no, this is not okay. You need to call a time out here, buddy. You need to slow down. This is not all right. And he was totally, completely convinced in his own mind, without guilt, that God had sent somebody else and provided some other situation in life that he was going to pursue. And, and that was hard for me to watch because I realized what's happening here is this guy, there, there's no guilt. He's not, he has got his mind made up. He's going... He's turning himself into a spiritual sociopath that God will forgive. He is, there is all grace here. There is no guilt. I can do whatever I want, and I can project that God is going to bless me in that. And maybe all of us have moments where we do that. We, um, we're not honest with ourselves, uh, but guilt tends to catch up with us. Uh, that's, that's typical for most of us. But on the other side of things, there's times where we can be if we can say it this way, someone who is crippled spiritually because we focus on the, all of the guilt and no grace, and we wrestle with that, and it's, it's, it's hard to, uh, to, to, to do much. Because what happens is, and, and let's walk through it here, what Satan does is he burdens us down with guilt so much that we have, uh, we're constantly reminded of our past. Have you ever had something like that happen, there's something in your past that you know right here that you're forgiven of, 
but it just keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps burdening you in ways that you think, oh man, I just want to get rid of this, but I cannot seem to get rid of it. You know what I mean? And it just lurks there in, in our background. Uh, Satan also has a tendency to attack us or, or people that are, that are people of, of faith. Like I think about the example of Job. You look back in the Old Testament, Job was, uh, was one who is righteous in God's sight. And so Satan comes and says, hey, he's only righteous because you've blessed him so much. If we take the stuff away, watch what's going to happen. He's going to curse you. God says, try, see what happens. And Job faces the death of his family members. He faces the loss of all of his wealth. And he faces his body being ravaged away by disease. And yet Job remains steadfast in all this. He says, God has given and God has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But it, you know, the hardest time that Job has in all the book, when you read through that, the hardest time is when his friends show up and say, Job, man, we're here to to help you, we're here to bless you, we're here to, to make everything better. And just by the way, we know that you must have sinned somewhere, and that's why all this is happening for you, or happening to you. And you read through that book of Job, what you get is a, a real understanding is Job was a whole lot better off before his friends showed up. You know, they just made it worse. And we can do that sometimes. We, we try to help, we come to the table to try to bless people around us, but Instead of sitting next to them, walking through it, being patient with them, we come up with solutions that may or may not be true, may or may not be the case, and, and boy, that just that hurts because it's, it's not where we're at. And it's not what we can hear at that point in time, or we give, we give counsel that's, that's not great. And so what happens is it just brings us further and further into that, 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 that idea of, of being crippled by the guilt that we have on our shoulders. Uh, Satan confuses us through self-appointed counselors. Uh, we can say it that way. There's, there's all sorts of things that we may read, all sorts of things that we may hear, or people um, are not necessarily part of our, uh, part, part of our, our church or Christians that, that know exactly what it's going to take for us to, to, to be able to leave this guilt behind. may or may not work. Um, sometimes that can lead us in a, in a direction that's, that's opposite of, uh, of healing. Now, uh, also, what happens, and I've seen this over and over and over again, is that Satan reinterprets God's good news. Okay, the good news of God is that we, hopefully, whenever I share the message of God or whenever uh, we teach each other, there's, there's elements of encouragement and ele- elements of conviction. All right? But when we're in a place that's really dark, oftentimes the only thing we hear is condemnation. Okay? I, I've had at times where I've... I've preached a lesson, and someone who is, who is really burdened down with guilt will come to me afterwards and say, Chris, you said this, and it hurt. And I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure I didn't say that. I'm pretty sure that's not what I intended. Maybe I did an accident, but I, that is not anywhere where my head was going with this lesson. And what the reality is, is that when we're in a place where we're burdened down by guilt, and myself included, we tend to hear the bad news and we tend to project all of that on ourselves and just feel this, this great burden that, is, uh, that, is, that we feel is there. Okay, when you look at this, is this, is, is this the place that God wants us to stay? Burdened by guilt constantly? Absolutely not. Um, there is a good side of guilt. Let's talk about this here. There's a positive power of pain and guilt. And 
Guilt is, again, feeling bad for what we have done. Okay, let's talk about it in the, the physical perspective here for a bit. Okay, there is, if I walk up to Lyle right here, who's sitting there, and I just kick Lyle in the shin. Can I do that real quick? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm just kidding. No, Lyle says no. Okay, he's not being a good volunteer, right? Yeah. So what's Lyle going to feel if I go up and I just kick Lyle in the shin right here? Hey, yeah, he's going to feel attacked. Is he going to feel pain? Yeah, why is he going to feel pain? Because it hurts. That's not, it's, it's a sensation that God's given Lyle to say, get away from that pain. Now, that's, that's a bad deal. There's, I saw just a minute ago that uh, there's, babies know this. We know this when we have children, and children cry that there's something wrong. I saw Dan Morgan holding Beckett here just a minute ago, and Beckett started screaming, something's wrong. You know, got to get away from this guy. You know, that kind of thing. I'm just messing with Dan. But just a, a, an example that, that was used at the men's retreat that got me thinking is, um, okay, there is, I've never seen this personally in the, in the society that we live in. Um, and a lot of, with medical advances, this is starting to disappear, Lord willing, more and more. But we, you see over and over again in Scripture people that have leprosy, skin diseases that are very severe that, uh, that, that attack the body. And as I understand how it happens is in some of these places where there's beggars that are on the street corners or on the side of the, the street where people and just begging just for food, just to survive. When some forms of this leprosy uh, continue to advance, people lose uh, all feeling in their fingers and toes. And so it happens when you're on the street and you're sleeping on the street and you're, that's where you live and you fall asleep and you wake up with fingers missing because rodents have come and eaten your fingers off you know that's a problem that's why pain is so important is that it tells us something is wrong okay and that's how how spiritual guilt is supposed to work as well okay we're going to come back to that here in just a second but spiritual guilt is really it lets us know that something is wrong that's what it's designed to do is let us know that something is wrong now, how many of you, have anybody ever heard the name Marshall Underwood? Does that name ring a bell? It's been a while now. And Marshall Underwood is a, a gentleman who was a, a tremendous quarterback out of Alabama. He went in, their, in the 60s, he went to the University of Alabama as a freshman. He had broken all sorts of records that had been, been standing in Alabama in the years to come. And he went through his freshman year at Alabama as a quarterback. And it's like the whole world was set for him to go forward and to take his, his place as a great quarterback of Alabama and then go on and to become one of the, the greatest NFL quarterbacks ever. That was what his, his plan was for life. But something changed is that after his freshman year, he withdrew from the University of Alabama and went to what's called Faulkner University right now and started studying Bible so that he could be a minister. And his reasoning for it was, is that when he was there at Alabama his freshman year, he saw what star athletes and star football players, the types of things that they participated in, the type of sinful behavior they got involved in, and the stuff that he got involved in, he realized, wait a minute here, I don't think I can be one that's strong enough to be able to survive this. In an interview, this is something that uh, he, was, he mentioned, 
He said, Sometimes in the fall when I hear those marching band drums, I feel the great sense of loss. I feel the strong desire to be on that field throwing those precise patterns and hearing thousands of fans cheering, marshalling my team to victory. Sometimes people tell me they believe I could have made it in football and have been a Christian I sh- the Christian I should be. But I don't think so. At that age, with those temptations, I wouldn't have survived. And by choosing this route, God has allowed me to be a vital part of the lives of many. I miss football, but I made the right choice. I'm glad that sent me. I'm glad that God sent me on this path instead. And he spent all of his adult life being a minister in Alabama for a, a Church of Christ in a community there. That's what he did his entire adult life. And you see, what happened is guilt got to him. When he was a freshman football player, he said, this is not the way that God wants me to live, and I cannot survive in this context. Therefore, I'm going to run towards God because I know that God's way is better than what everybody is telling me. And he went against the crowd, against what everybody was, was sharing him, what, what he should do in life, be this great NFL quarterback, and he chose to pursue God. You see what's happening there? Is God used guilt in order to lead him into a place that was going to be much better. That's God's plan for guilt, just like his plan for physical pain for us, is when guilt happens, it helps us realize, wait a minute, where I'm at right now is where I don't need to be. I need to move towards God. That's what needs to happen here. But when guilt becomes overbearing, it's just like I know some of us here struggle with chronic pain. It changes everything about us. And the same is true when we struggle with chronic guilt. It's one of those things that just continues to to burden us and and ultimately debilitate us. Because that's what our mind thinks about. It's what's on our heart. When we have our quiet moments, we go back to those those times that we struggle with with letting go of of what the, the sin that we've had in the past. So let's look at some scriptures that talk about this a little bit. Uh, let's, we're, we're not going to read all of these, but these are up here in case you want to copy them down and look at them. Let's go to Psalm 103. Let's start with Psalm 103, verse 7. Psalm 103, verse 7. says, He made his made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Okay, from the east to the west, that's a long ways. That God has removed our transgressions from us, has, has eliminated those. And, and so that's what God tells the Israelites, that's what he tells us, is that God has forgiven and wiped sins out for those who follow us completely. He's done away with them. And in Luke chapter 4, verses 45 and 49, as Jesus is being taken up into heaven, Jesus tells his disciples, forgiveness of sins is going to be preached to all nations. Now it's your job to go and do it. Just as Irv talked about here just a minute ago, that's been entrusted to us to share the message of forgiveness to all people. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. Uh, let's go ahead and read that there. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. It says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so there's a forgiveness that is preached there, is that we, we approach God in faith and, and we're baptized, our sins are forgiven, we come up out of that water changed and washed and transformed. 
And that's what God's plan is for us, is to be people that are forgiven, that, are, that our sins are totally wiped clean and, and changed and, and, and left. Um, be done away with. That's the idea. Uh, you look at, but forgiveness is something that happens between us and God. Because God has forgiven us, he's wiped those sins away. But there's another step that sometimes we wrestle with, and this is coming back full circle to where, where we're talking about today, is, is this idea of healing, is that we're able to forgive ourselves in order to leave all of that behind us. Let's look at Isaiah 50, or 57. Go ahead and turn there, Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57, verses 15 through 19. It says, from this is, For this is what the high and exalted one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place. Okay, so I'm way up here somewhere, God is saying. I live high and holy place, but I also, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I will not accuse them forever, nor will I be angry for them, for then they would faint away because of me, the people I have created. You notice he says there, he says, I will heal them. That's what God does, is he heals. Um, in verse 18, let's skip down to there. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners. I believe that we can be people that we know that we're forgiven, but we still feel that burden. But God says here is, I'm going to heal them. I'm going to give them comfort. That's what I do. In 2 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11, let's go ahead and turn there. 2 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11. It says, Godly sorrow, and Paul is, is talking to the Corinthians here, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness what to clear yourself, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. And God is sharing there is that when we, when we repent, when we confess, what he wants to bring is, is a time where we have no regret that we carry with us. We don't carry that, that burden anymore. We're, we're able to be healed and, and leave all of that behind. Okay, let's skip ahead to James chapter 5. Go ahead and go to James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. If any, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do you see the, the, ter- the healing theme all the way through that? Is that even when, uh, and I think about uh, Doug Brown, who has gone to be with God this last year, and Kerry Ruckel, who sat here, has gone to be with God this last year. Towards the end of life, their bodies were wearing out, but they were healed. You saw a peace with those guys, you saw a tranquility with them that you don't see with people who have not experienced this healing from God. And to the very end, they were saying, I am ready to go meet my maker 
and, and excited for what the future holds for us. Now, how do we do that when, when our body's being, being torn apart? It's because we understand that healing is, is much more than just physical. Uh, no matter what's happening physically, there's something much, much greater that's happening there. When you look at, at what James says here, I think there's, it's, under, it's important for us to realize what God wants us to do, wants us to be, is to be healed and to be, um, be able to leave sin and guilt and, and all of that behind us. So look at it this way. Hey, freedom in Christ is what God wants for us. Is guilt is something that God has given us to lead us to repentance, which gives, leads us to forgiveness and healing and freedom in Christ. That's how this process is supposed to go. And so if you're sitting there today and you're thinking, man, Chris, you're talking to me, man. This is, I, I realize that I've got this, this guilt that I carry with me and things that I've just not been able to let go and things that I've not been able to process that come back and Satan tends to bring them back and I, I think I, I, I get rid of it and then it comes back. Then here's some things to consider in this. Okay, First of all, number one, realize what exactly is happening there. That God is not bringing that back up to pin you down, to put you in a place to where you're burdened down with guilt. But realize it for what it is, is that that is simply Satan working overtime to try to get you, to burden you down. To, because if God, if, excuse me, if Satan can keep us just not productive, then he's winning. Because we're, we're not... Um, we're not doing the things that God has called us to do day in, day out, and being that example. And so realize it for what it is. Is Satan simply taking shots at you? Pray about it. Find someone that you can confess, you can talk about it, and do not give up. Continue to pursue that healing. And I have to believe that from Scripture that God does provide that at some point in time. That's the promise he gives. As we see in, in James chapter 5, one of the examples, you can call the elders, have them come over, have them anoint you, pray over you. Maybe that's the type of healing that you need at this, at this point in time. Whatever it may be, don't give up and continue to pursue the healing that God is offering to you. For those of us that uh, when we see someone around us that is burdened by guilt, maybe the best thing we can do is pray and listen and be slow to offer counsel of what's going to work in order to make things better. Because we just don't know. We just don't know. We're all pretty complex people. And the things that are in my heart are things maybe you don't understand and vice versa. But I know that as people, when we walk beside each other and say, I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't have the answers of how you can find peace or you can forgive yourself from some of these things. I know that God has, and hopefully you'll get there. But I forgive you, and I walk along beside you in this because I want you to have the peace of God. And... As a people, when we walk through that and we, um, we become people more and more that are able to leave that sin behind, to achieve and receive healing and, um, and, and get that freedom in Christ that we have, then joy comes to the surface and, and uh, we, we look different than the rest of the world. It's, uh, it's unfortunate that sometimes Christians, we can go through life and we can be forgiven and never feel like that's the case. And that's just Satan just continually to work to burden us down with that. And so if you find yourself in that situation, I hope you don't have to stay there. And there's elders that are going to be back to, that are here to pray with you. There's lots of people in the church here that would love to sit down and pray with you. I'd be one of them. So that we can walk you past to be a point at some point in time to say, 
I have no guilt for the past going forward because I know that God has taken care of all of that. That's a beautiful place to be. And that's where God calls all of us. That's where he wants all of us to be. Let's stand and sing together if you'd like to become.